0: Our series in the book of Daniel this morning, if you would go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter 11. Uh, last week Dwayne opened up for us Daniel chapter 10 and he told us that we were entering into the final vision of the book of Daniel and he was right when he said that. This final vision that Daniel received spans from the beginning of chapter 10 all the way through about half of chapter 12. And so this morning, we will be jumping into the middle of that vision as we consider chapter 11 and a couple verses in chapter 12. And if you're looking at your bulletin insert, you see the sermon title is Prophecy and Perspective. And I believe that this prophecy here given to us offers us perspective for the way that we live our lives. This prophecy allows us to see our everyday lives through God's eyes, and it requires that we adopt and believe the perspective that God gives us of our lives here in this text. Now, we need God's perspective on our lives, and we need to believe that what He has said is true, because whether we realize it or not, we often lose a biblical perspective of our lives, do we not? How many of us uh, just find ourselves walking through the motions of everyday life? Not thinking critically, not thinking about the things that we're doing, the things that we're engaged in. We're just going through the motions day after day after day, living our lives seemingly with no purpose or meaning. You see, this is what happens when we lose God's perspective For our lives and so my plea for us this morning is that we regain that in a couple areas. I think there are three areas in which we often lose biblical perspective which hinders us from living fruitful lives for God. And the three areas are these. The first is that we have a loss of identity. We have a loss of the fact that we are part of a spiritual kingdom, that we are a spiritual people serving Our king. We have a loss of identity as the people of God. The second hindrance that we often run into that keeps us from living fruitful lives for God is that we don't know how to navigate our seasons of suffering. We don't understand why we are walking through seasons of suffering, which leads to unfruitfulness. And then the third area is that we often become distracted from eternity. We believe that the life that we're living now is the only life that we will live, and we lose sight of the life to come. And I believe that this vision, this prophecy that God gives us here in Daniel chapter 11 and 12, gives us perspective on these three hindrances that keep us from living fruitful lives for God. And so what I want to do is handle this in very broad strokes. There's a lot of text here. We're not going to get down into the nitty-gritty of it. We're going to look at these big themes as we walk through this text. With that being said, let's go ahead and read a couple portions of the text so you can get a sense of what we'll be looking at. We'll begin in chapter 11, verses 2 through 4. And then we'll move to 32 through 35, and then we'll look at chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, don't be be freaked out here as we move through this text as I'm reading through it. We're going to be jumping, right, from text to text. And so there's a lot of time in between each text and different characters and things like that. As we go along this morning, I'll try to clear that up for us. So follow along with me. Daniel chapter 11, verse 2. And I will show you the truth. Behold, three more kings shall arise in Persia, and a fourth shall be far richer than all of them. And when he has become strong through his riches, he shall stir up all against the kingdom of Greece. Then a mighty king shall arise who shall rule with great dominion and do as he wills. And as soon as he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not to his posterity, nor according to the authority with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be plucked up and go to others besides these. And 32 through 35, speaking of a different person, he shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant But the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action, and the wise among the people shall make many understand, though for some days they shall stumble by flame and captivity and sword and plunder. When they stumble, they shall receive a little help, and many shall join themselves to them with flattery, and some of the wise shall stumble, so that they may be refined, "...purified and made white until the time of the end, for it still awaits the appointed time." In chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. "...at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as has never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered." Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Father, we need your perspective on our lives. We need your word to inform the way that we live our lives. And we need you to help us have the faith to believe that what your word says is true. So as we come to your word this morning, aid us in this way by the power of your spirit, I pray. That we might leave here with your perspective on our lives. That we might live more fruitful lives for you. I ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we begin here in our text with this theme that I'm picking up, which is the rise and fall of earthly kings and kingdoms. We see this represented in the first portion of Scripture that we read, and it actually continues on all the way through verse 35. And I want to give you what I believe is the fulfillment of this portion of the vision. I believe that this portion of the vision comes to its fulfillment through the power struggle between the Egyptian nation, the south, the southern king and kingdom, which we see in this text, and the Syrian nation, which is the northern kingdom, from about 323 B.C. to about 163 B.C. Now, if you're thinking, this sounds a little bit familiar, that's because we talked about this when we preached on Daniel chapter 8. This vision here in Daniel chapter 11, by and large, is covering the same time in history as Daniel chapter 8, but it goes into more detail. Now, what I'm picking up on here in the text is we see over this time period, this 160-year time period, the rise and fall of earthly kings and kingdoms, Now the question that we must ask ourselves is what perspective does this vision offer us as we see the rise and fall of kings and kingdoms? And I think in order to answer that, we can't take Daniel 11 in isolation. We have to think about Daniel 11 in this theme from what we know of the entirety of the book. And if you've been with us in this study, you'll know that the kingdoms and kings of man And the kingdom of God have been contrasted from beginning to end in the book of Daniel. And what we see over and over and over again is kings and kingdoms rising and falling, but the kingdom of God standing forever and never being shaken. We see movement and chaos in the world around us, but we stand firm knowing that we are part of the kingdom of God. And I think that that's the perspective that is being offered to us here. As we see the rise and fall of earthly kings and kingdoms, we know that we are part of a kingdom that will stand forever. We know that we are part of a spiritual kingdom as we serve our king in this world. Now, why do we need this perspective? We need this perspective because we often are led to live unfruitful lives because we lose a sense of the fact that we are part of the kingdom of God. We lose a sense of our kingdom identity, that we are citizens of heaven, even as we live in this world now. This is what happens. We begin to lose a sense of the fact that we are God's people living in a spiritual kingdom, and this leads to a a loss of identity and when this happens, what we do is we begin to attach ourselves to this world. We begin to attach ourselves to the kingdoms of this world and to what we can see. We're not very good at living in the spiritual realm, right? We're not very good at seeing our world spiritually. And you see, something very devastating happens when, this, when we go through this process of losing a sense of our kingdom identity. You see, what happens is we lose our sense of ultimate meaning and purpose in life. And when this happens, we just begin going through the motions. Our lives become ordinary. Our lives become boring. Christianity, our faith becomes boring. Why? Because we've lost a sense of its ultimate purpose and meaning. Because we've lost a sense that we are part of something greater than what is going on in this life. Do you ever get the feeling that your life is mundane and meaningless? Do you ever feel like when you come home from, uh, from work and you're seeking to love your, uh, your wife well and you're playing with your kids, do you, do you ever come home and do that and just feel like, man, this is boring, this is meaningless, this, this is purposeless? Do you ever feel like when you're going to work and doing the same thing for eight hours a day, Monday through Friday, is just, what am I doing? This is just purposeless. I'm just going through the motions. Do you ever feel like breaking up another fight or changing another diaper is pointless, has no significance at all? When we feel this way, it's because we've lost lost a sense of our kingdom identity. Let me me show you how this works. When we know that we are part of something greater, when we know that the ordinary lives that we live, we live for the glory of God serving Him and His spiritual kingdom, then working a nine-to-five job actually holds great significance and meaning. Coming home and loving our wives and our children well holds ultimate significance. Breaking up another fight and wiping another butt holds ultimate meaning, right? When we know that we are doing this for God, for His glory, and to build His kingdom. It gives ultimate meaning and purpose to the ordinary lives that we live. And I think that this is the perspective that is being offered to us here in this text. We see the rise and fall of kings and kingdoms all around us. But we are part of a spiritual kingdom that will last forever, that gives ultimate meaning and purpose to the lives that we live. This is the first shift in perspective that this vision affords to us. The second shift in perspective we see in this vision relates to our suffering, relates to the suffering of God's people. Now, where are we at? Uh, We're going to see this in verses 32 through 35. Now, where are we at in the course of the fulfillment of this vision? Well, as we get down to verses 34, 32 through 35, we see King Antiochus Epiphanes rise up again. We've seen his ugly face before in Daniel chapter 8 as we saw him there as well. So what we see here in the course of the fulfillment is yet again, there's this 160-year period that this vision is tracing. And now we've come to the second century BC where King Antiochus rises up to persecute God's people. Now what we see in this vision is similar to chapter 8, but it goes into greater detail and most importantly, it gives us the reason why God's people go through the sufferings they do. And this is where we will find our perspective for our suffering. So the first thing we see here in verse 32 is that King Antiochus rises up and God's people stand up and take action against him. It says, "...he," which is referencing the king, "...shall seduce with flattery those who violate the covenant, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action." Now this standing firm and taking action results in their persecution and in their stumbling as the text goes on to say. Verse 35 says that some of the wise shall stumble. The wise in this text being the people of God who have risen up against this evil king. And we see here that this shows us that God's people are going to endure this severe time of persecution. But it tells us here why they are going through this time of persecution. Verse 35 continues, And some of the wise shall stumble, so that, because for the reason of, they may be refined, purified, and made white until the time of the end. And so here we see God's good purpose to sanctify his people in their suffering. Now this vision, this prophecy, finds its fulfillment in the second century B.C., which to the people this was written to was future. For us, it's past, right? It's already been accomplished. But what the Bible is also doing here is continuing a pattern that we see throughout Scripture, And that is that God's people will suffer in this life. And so the suffering we see here is not just about them back in the second century B.C. It's also about us because we will suffer in this life also. And so what perspective does this vision offer us as we suffer in this life? Well, it tells us of God's beautiful and glorious purpose in our suffering, that our suffering aids our sanctification. Our suffering helps us become more like Jesus. And so let's open up this perspective for a moment. And I want to say a word to those of you who find yourself in a season of suffering now before I open this up any further as we consider how this vision offers us perspective on why we walk through seasons of suffering, please understand that I am not seeking to make light of the suffering that you are walking through. I'm not seeking to make light of it at all. Rather, my aim is to offer God's perspective on your season of suffering, that you might find peace and purpose in it, that you might be able to walk through this season continuing to be fruitful to God in the midst of it. So why do we need this perspective? We need this perspective because there's a second hindrance that often keeps us from being fruitful to God, and that is that we fail to believe that God has a purpose for our suffering. We either don't know that He does, or we forget it in the midst of our season of suffering, which leads to unfruitfulness, You see, what often happens is we encounter a season of suffering and we're not prepared to handle it. And so what happens is we begin to take our eyes off of God and they just become centered on us and the season that we're walking through and the needs that we have. And the reason that this becomes detrimental to our faith is because we lose sight of God's purpose in our suffering. We lose sight of what God is seeking to do in and through us through this season we are walking through. And that's what this text gives to us. God's perspective on the season we're walking through, that it has great meaning, great purpose, and that God is using it to purify us. And Scripture speaks about this reality elsewhere, that, sancti- or that suffering aids our sanctification Psalms 119.67 says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. What the psalmist is saying is that before he entered this season of suffering, he lived in disobedience. He lived in unfruitfulness. But now that he has gone through this season of suffering, he keeps the word of God. This season of suffering functions to purify and sanctify the psalmist. Hebrews 12.10 says that God disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. God allows us to walk through seasons of suffering that we may become more holy. Holy. Romans 5, 3, and 4, Paul says we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. You see, when we suffer, God is producing something in us. God is sanctifying us. And when we come to see and believe God's good purpose in our suffering, it allows us to be at peace with the season that we are in, knowing that God is using it for our good. The peace that this truth produces allows us to keep our eyes on what God is doing in our suffering, which frees us to be fruitful as we walk through it. This enables us to take our eyes off of ourselves and and ask, God, what do you want to do through me in this season of suffering? How do you want me to be fruitful in it? How do you want me to use it for your glory? Now, we often don't have that perspective, do we? When we walk through seasons of suffering, that's not what we're normally thinking. We need God's perspective. We must believe God's perspective on our lives. So this second shift in perspective that this vision gives us is that our seasons of suffering are not purposeless, but that God is using them to sanctify us. And now the final shift in perspective we see in this vision relates to the life to come. And we see this in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12. I'll read it and then make the connection on the fulfillment for us here. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now how do we get to, how do we get from the 2nd century B.C. to the final judgment, right? (laughs) How do we get from point A to point B? Well, really quickly. uh, If you look at verse 35, this is the last verse that I believe pertains to King Antiochus and the second century B.C. When we move from verse 35 to 36, I believe we jump a lot of years in biblical prophecy. From the second century B.C., to now the Antichrist and what he will come and do, which is future still for us. And so, verse 36 through the end of chapter 11 speaks about the Antichrist and what he will do, and then how he will come to his end. And then, as we enter verse 12, we see the final judgment those being separated to eternal life, and those being separated to eternal shame and contempt. And so here in this verse, verse 2 specifically, we see the division of mankind, the separation of mankind to two eternal destinies. We see some being ushered into everlasting life and we see others being sent to everlasting shame and contempt. This is a very sobering description And the fulfillment of it comes when Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead. Now as we look at this sobering description, what perspective does this vision give us? What perspective does this vision of the eternal destinies of everyone who has ever lived provide for us? Well, I think that the perspective that it provides for us is this, that the life that we are living now is about the next. That the life that we are living now, today, tomorrow, the rest of this week, the rest of our lives until the day we die is not about this life, but it's about eternity. I think that God is seeking to focus our minds there by showing us this vision of the end. Now, why do we need this perspective? That this life is not about this life, but it's about the next. Why do we need this perspective? Well, we need this perspective because we often encounter a third hindrance to living fruitful lives for God, and that is that we become distracted from eternity. We become distracted from the life to come. You see, when we become distracted from eternity, we fail to believe that one day we will die and that this life will end. And you might be thinking to yourself, I know I'm going to die. I don't struggle with that. I bet you do. I bet in the way that we live our lives and the things that we value and the things that we prioritize, we bear out what we believe about eternity, And that is that we we don't really believe that it's coming. We tend to live our lives distracted by the things of the world because we fail to believe that one day this life is going to end. And so we become distracted by the things of the world and our mindset becomes, how can I have my best life now rather than how can I use this life for eternity I believe that being distracted by the things of the world is the biggest cause of unfruitfulness in the church. Number one, the biggest thing that keeps us from being fruitful for God is that we forget that we're going to die and this life is going to end. Have you become distracted from eternity by the things of this world? Have you become so consumed with making plans for this life that you have forgotten about the next? Are you investing all of your time and treasures into this world? Think about that. Do you value this life over the life to come? What are you using your time Your resources, your passion, your desire, your energy, what are you using it on? Are you laying up treasures for yourself here on earth or are you laying up treasures for yourself in heaven? See, it's very easy for us to be enticed by the cares of this life to such a degree that we lose sight of the next. And that's how this prophecy helps us because it recalibrates the reason why we live this life, focuses us on death and eternity. Indeed, this vision brings us face to face with death itself. I remember uh, a year ago, nearly a year ago today, um, my wife and I, we got in uh, our car And we drove about 20 minutes away. And we got out of our car and we walked into this big building. It's the type of building that you never want to walk into. And when we got into this building, uh, we greeted some of our relatives. And then we got in this line, another line that you never want to be in. And when we got to the front of this line, my wife and I stood over top of a casket. And inside this casket, we looked at my 23-year-old cousin. And as I stood there, looking at her lifeless body, there were a lot of emotions and thoughts that coursed through my heart and mind in that moment. There is one thought that I have not forgotten. The thought that has stuck with me from that moment, I asked myself, Am I living this life for now or am I living this life for eternity? Am I living this life for Jesus or am I living this life for myself? And you know what this prophecy does? This prophecy allows us to look into a casket and to see ourselves laying in it. And it demands that we ask ourselves the question Am I living this life for now, or am I living this life for the next? It's a very sobering picture that we get of the end. God is seeking to offer us perspective. How are we living this life? we must understand that this life is not ultimately about this life, but it's about eternity. This vision on the whole allows us to see our lives from the vantage point of God. And by so doing, we can overcome the hindrances that keep us from living fruitful lives for God. Brothers and sisters, if we are going to live fruitful lives for God, our perception of our lives must change. We must understand that the ordinary lives that we live hold great purpose because we are a spiritual people living in a spiritual kingdom, serving our king in the ordinary lives that we live. And that gives our ordinary lives great purpose and meaning. We must understand that God is using our seasons of suffering for our good. We must take our eyes off of ourselves and see what God is seeking to do through us, that we might remain faithful to Him in those seasons. And perhaps most importantly, we must understand that we will die one day and that the lives that we live now can matter for eternity if we choose to live them for eternity. We must believe that God's perspective of our lives is true and we must submit our hearts to living in according to, accordance to the truth that he gives to us. So church, as we leave from here, let us believe what God has said to be true. And if we do, we will be fruitful for him. If we do, there's going to be a great harvest that comes from our lives. And I hope that with me, you long to see that harvest, not only in my own life, but in yours. Pray with me. Father, Your word shifts our understanding of our lives and the reality in which we live. Your word offers perspective that often goes unnoticed. You show us, Lord, how we can live fruitful lives to you and overcome these hindrances that keep us from serving you faithfully and fruitfully. And so, God, I pray that you would come by the power of your Spirit and work in our hearts to open our eyes to the perspective you have on our lives. Lord, that we might be willing to accept what you have said and that you might use us powerfully as we live in light of your perspective on our lives. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.